Welcome back, everybody, to the Three Point Threat Podcast. We got a pretty unique setup for you here today. I am Jared Woodcox, your host, and joined live next to me right here, sitting in the same room, is John Kiefer, my co-host. How you doing, everybody? It's kind of weird. It's different. <laughs> it is different. You know, you can hear us both clearly, no phones, and we thought we'd do the intro together even. So, it's awkward um, talking in an empty room. It's true. That's fine. It's, it's true. It's all good. You, you know, usually we talk to a phone in an empty room, so it's all good. <laughs> But anyway, um, obviously the most exciting thing going on right now in Jazz Nation is the release of the schedule. So that's really what today's show is going to be about. Uh, point one, we're going to talk about really some of the pros of the, of the Jazz schedule, the things that we like about it. Uh, then for point two, we're going to turn you know things around and talk about instead the negatives, the things that we're a little concerned about or don't like about the schedule. Then last of all, for point three, we're just going to give some of our other reactions, um, some matchups that we're looking forward to, and really just break down um, the eighteen nineteen schedule. Can't wait for it to actually be here. So Two months away. It's I know. Exciting. Getting close. But all right, without further ado, let's jump into point number one. Point one. All right, so point number one, uh, we want to obviously start on a high note here, uh, you know, looking at the Jazz schedule. So, John, tell me, you know, as you went through it, what were some of the things you especially liked or, or were excited about with the upcoming Jazz schedule? So when it was first released, one of the first things I was looking at was were we going to have any difficult, difficult stretches like we did last year, where December was obviously dubbed Murderer's Row because it was just so difficult. Just night after night we were playing difficult teams. And this year, it seems like it's a little bit less than that. We don't really have anything that's too horrible outside of, I would say, the first month of the season. Um, the second thing I looked at, this is really big from David Locke, is I never thought about it, but with the schedule, you play every team in the East Coast at least twice, one home, one away. And in the West Coast, you play pretty much everybody four times, two home, two away. But there's four teams that you'll only play three times. And last year, the Jazz kind of got screwed with mm -hmm. that. Uh, the four teams they had to play were the worst teams in the Western Conference. So you'd rather play those teams four times because it's hopefully four additional wins. Yeah. Uh, this year, we only play the Warriors, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Clippers three times. Which, out of those teams, the Warriors, you just kind of expect to lose to the Warriors. I know the Jazz have done really well, but you just assume you're going to lose. The Spurs and the Pelicans, I would say, are a toss-up. Depending on home or away, the other teams can be favored. And then the Clippers, they're probably a team that right now, depending on what happens, we should win. But because of that, I do think that gives the Jazz an extra two or three wins because they're playing really the worst teams in the Western Conference more often. Yeah, definitely. And remember how last year, I'm pretty sure every time we played the Spurs... It was on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Like, yeah. there's just so many things last year that jumped out as you as cringeworthy. And I'd say the biggest negative for me in this one is, you know, kind of December was our bad month last year. This year, I feel like November is our quote-unquote bad month. Um, not as bad as last year's December, but it's still pretty tough. I mean, a lot of really, you know, hard road games, uh, some back-to-backs in there. So, yeah, the Jazz are going to need to be able to get off to a strong start out of the gate. Um, but the nice thing is, like... Even if they struggle a little bit in that first month, that first you know month and a half, um, the nice thing is, and we'll talk about this more in a little bit, but I really like how um, you know the second half of the schedule is just so much easier. 
and I love the way that it eases up in that back half, and I feel like if the Jazz are even within striking distance of a top seed, once we get into January, February, they're just going to be able to take off and cruise. And even, especially the last 16 games of the season, yeah. like, I'm sure we won't go 16-0, but when you look at those last 16 teams we play, yeah. the Jazz are capable they, of beating all 16-0. They could be favored in every single one exactly. of those games. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I looked at it, and the Jazz over the last three years, really under Quinn Snyder, have always been a better second-half year team. They've done really, really well in the second half of the season. Um, so that's great for them because they could have another similar to last year where they just go on the stretch where they have the best record in the NBA over the second half of the year, which is nice because if they are a playoff team, they can really be hitting their stride and have a lot of confidence heading into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, I think another thing that I like, not just with how the schedule's laid out, and I think all Jazz fans would agree, um, that one thing we all like is the national exposure the Jazz are going to have this year. Um, obviously, I think, I mean, the Christmas Day game is huge, and that, that's the biggest one in my mind. But I think it's very closely followed by um, the home opener against Golden State. Like, I mean, the, when the season first starts, there's just this natural excitement and just this, you know, anticipation. And for the Jazz to be playing the defending champs um, in their home opener and have that be televised, like, that's a big deal. Like, sure, maybe, you know, the majority of the nation is going to be tuning in to watch the Warriors, but it's going to be a dang good game against the Jazz. And it, I, I don't know. I'm just super excited about that national yeah, coverage. It's going to be really good. I, I saw a list of it somewhere. I think it's going to be at 12 national games I off the bat. It's, I think it's 11 on ESPN and TNT. But then 17. And then, yeah, like five that. more, or excuse, excuse me, six NBA. more if you include NBA TV. Yep. Yeah, so that's really good. And I, I know a lot of people feel like the Jazz should have more. We should have 82 games on <laughs> national television, obviously. But this is a step up from last year. Oh, for sure. Last year, we, I don't even think we hit double digits unless you include the NBA TV games, mm -hmm. which I don't include those games. I don't know why. It's something that that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a big step for the Jazz, and as you mentioned, it's the teams they're playing too. Like the very first week of the season, the NBA wants to highlight the biggest stars and the best teams the first week of the season on national TV, and the Jazz are one of those teams. Mm -hmm. Christmas, same thing. It's it's set aside for the biggest stars and the best teams in the NBA, and the Jazz are viewed as one of those teams now. So I think it's a really big step up, and that's going to be a huge positive of this season, and I really, we have Donovan Mitchell to thank. I think he's just a polarizing guy. People want to watch him. And it could only get more and more from here. The Jazz have another good year heading into next year. Maybe they're one of those teams that are in the 20s for national games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of was, it kind of made me upset when there were a lot of Jazz fans complaining about, oh, only 11 games on national TV. I'm like, do yeah. you guys hear yourselves right now? Yeah. I mean, maybe if we, you know, maybe three years from now, if it's only 11 and the Jazz keep on this trajectory of getting better, we can complain yeah. about 11, but for now, 11 is like amazing. Yeah, and I think it's just the teams that are ahead of them, like yeah. Philadelphia. Oh, like, Philadelphia has a ton. Jazz fans, we hate Philadelphia yeah. right now just because <laughs> of the Ben Simmons drama, but also like Milwaukee. The Jazz are a better team than Milwaukee, mm -hmm. but Milwaukee also has Giannis Antetokounmpo, who people want to see. And yeah. as big as Donovan Mitchell has gotten, he's not quite there yet. So the teams ahead of him, it makes sense. Um, some of the other pros that I saw that I thought are really good, just the NBA has done a really good job over the last couple of years of uh, minimizing the back-to-backs and the four games and five nights. Uh, I think there's no four games and five nights anymore. Back-to-backs mm -hmm. uh, are down to 14. And of the 12 back-to-backs, a lot of them don't include a lot of travel. They're within the same time zone. So while we are traveling and there are back-to-back, -back, it's not like you're going from the Los Angeles Lakers and traveling over to play Minnesota. We don't have those back-to-backs, which are just killers. 
Um, so that should be really, really good for the Jazz. One of the other things I noticed was, um, I think you mentioned this, just over the second stretch of the season, we play a four-game road trip at the start of like the new year. We kick it off with Toronto on January 1st. And then we have a four-game road trip from the 7th to the end of the season. We only have one other four-game road trip. No more. The rest mm -hmm. of it is going to be home games with maybe a couple road games in between. It's going to be really, really good for the Jazz, and they should be able to finish the season on an amazing run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just think if, like, at the end of December, even if the Jazz are, heck, let's be pessimistic. Let's say they're sixth or seventh in the West, and you're going to have all these people saying, oh, yeah, the Jazz were overhyped. These people that haven't paid attention or know that it's an 82-game season. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Jazz are just going to surge, and, and it's going to be awesome. I mean, ideally, you know, even with all those hard games, they find themselves in third or fourth by the end of the year. Yeah. And they can get even higher than that. But all I'm saying is that even if the Jazz start out kind of slow compared to Jazz fan standards, I just we're going to see an amazing push. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's going to be. And, I mean... I think I saw a tweet out there that if the Jazz can get through the new year at 500 or above, mm -hmm. Jazz fans should be super excited mm -hmm. for how they're going to be able to finish the year. So, yeah, should be great. I'm excited for this season. Yeah, and then I guess the one thing we'll touch on, too, before we move on to things that we're not as happy about um, is I'll bring up the, the game in Mexico City. Um, you know, right. obviously, I mean, the Orlando Magic aren't the most exciting opponent, you know, or, or things like that. But just the fact that the Jazz are featured in the kind of a unique setting, you know, getting to be playing down there in Mexico City where, you know, it's a fan base that really the NBA wants to grow to. Um, it, it's a really cool opportunity to, to build, you know, a global fan base and for the Jazz to have the honor of playing in that. I mean, I think, I think it's a big deal. And so I like that the Jazz are one of the few teams scheduled for a game outside of the country. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it'll be really cool. And hopefully that increases the national or international exposure of players like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And hopefully they can start getting international attention. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we can have a big fan base in Mexico City now. That'd mm -hmm. be fun. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was really interesting, I think it was Andy Larson who pointed this out on Twitter. Um this is going to be considered a road game for the Jazz. Yep, that's great. So they're not going to lose a home game. We'll still have 41 games in Salt Lake City, which is awesome. But we're playing Orlando, so instead of flying to Orlando from Salt Lake, we're flying to Mexico City, which is actually less it's of closer yeah. for us. Um, <laughs> so we're actually saving kind of miles and energy for this team. So yeah. that would be cool. I mean, added on, this is going to be more than just a regular season game for the Jazz. Mm -hmm. it, it means more. They're representing the entire NBA and the entire league. And I'm guessing they're going to get there and they're going to have certain NBA obligations of like going out to the town, visiting with people. So Outreach, yeah. I mean, maybe they're going to be exhausted from all of that, but I don't think any of the Jazz players are going to complain. I think they're excited for this opportunity. And it's going to be fun. It's going to mm -hmm. be fun for the Jazz fans to watch yeah. the Jazz play on an international stage. I think of all the photo ops and like all the cool things yeah. that are going to go up. It's going to be great exposure for them. And I will say one thing, though. If they have, you know, sort of the, the Mexico-themed jersey, not jerseys, but any sort of Mexican-themed, like warm-ups or anything like that, they better call them Los Jazz and not El Jazz because nobody says El Jazz. I hate, the, <laughs> I hate when you see the shirts that say El Jazz because it's Los. Like everyone you talk to down there says Los Jazz, so that's a nitpicky thing from when I lived in Mexico. I guess but you would know, yeah. yeah that's I true. hate. I just it makes. I mean, I know that if you're speaking, well, it's the same way in English. It's like we said, oh, the Utah Jazz is going to be good this year. Technically, with grammar, we should say the Jazz is going to be good this year. But we all say the Jazz yeah. are going to be good. It's the same thing. Even though grammar, you should maybe say El Jazz. Everyone says Los Jazz. It just sounds so much better. It looks better. So if anyone you know that is a decision maker and that is listening, you better make it say Los Jazz, or else I might turn off the TV. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> but yeah, awesome. Well, anything else you want to add about things you like, John? I feel like we've covered it pretty well, but any last thoughts you have on the positives of the schedule? Uh, no, not really. I, I know we talked about this, but the start of the year is going to be really difficult. It's going to be the hardest stretch for the Jazz, mm -hmm. but with the continuity, I think the Jazz are better equipped to handle that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's probably better that the tough part of their schedule is early on when some of the other teams who have had roster turnover aren't really in their groove yet. Yep. And the Jazz should just be able to pick up and run from day one. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be good for the Jazz. It's still going to be tough, but I do think we could surprise some teams because we're just we have that continuity carrying over from last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's good that it's front loaded because, you know, we're ready to just pick up where we left off, hit the ground running, maybe some games that you'd think we should lose. We're going to be able to catch them by surprise and, and get off running because we're so used to one another. The team is pretty much the same as last year, minus Jonas Drebko being flipped, um, you know, and David Stockton uh, for yeah. uh, Nyang and um, uh, Grayson Allen. So those are the only changes. So awesome. All right, well, we've touched on a little bit, but let's move on now to point two. We'll flip the flip the script a little bit and talk about some of the things that we dislike a little bit more about the upcoming schedule. Point two. So for point two, we're going to transition over to the negatives of the schedule. Um, every year there are some. No schedule is going to be perfect for every team. So, Jared, we'll, we'll let you start this one off. What are some of the things that stood out to you as negatives of the Utah Jazz schedule. Yeah, you know, I touched on it a little bit last segment, John, and I think the biggest one for me is that month of November, you know, just, just having that start and how tough that's going to be. Obviously, it's 16 of our first 24 games being on the road. Um, those are some of the things that I'm, I'm a little disappointed in. And then even like December, um, you know, it, it's not as bad as last year's December, and I don't think as bad as uh, this year's November. Um, but not only is there quite a bit of travel anyway, but that's also where you have the extra, the Mexico City game where we talked about how it's not as far of a flight per se, but I think it's going to be an exhausting trip with all the other obligations. So just between a really tough opponent-wise November and a December that has, you know, just a lot of travel and things like that, I think that those will be kind of tricky. Um, the other thing, this is this also takes place in November. I'm kind of bummed that we play, well, personally for me, the Pacers are one of them, but I'm bummed that we play <laughs> the Celtics within pretty much a week of each other. I think it's yeah. eight days apart we play the Celtics at, um, on the road and at home, and I would have liked to see more of, like, we play them once in November and once in March. Yeah. And then it's the same way with the, with the Pacers, and even if you're not a Pacers fan like I am, I still think, like, exciting teams like with a Victor Oladipo it'd be fun to see those spread out a little bit more like I wish that we could see you know the Celtics in November and the Celtics in March or the Pacers in December and the Pacers in um in February or whatever it is just a little bit more break between those so I'm kind of bummed we have the Celtics in the same month it would have been more awesome to see it a little spread out I think especially for those Eastern Conference teams that you're only going to see them twice yeah. anyway so mm -hmm. it would be nice to spread it out a little yep. bit mm -hmm. um I think it's definitely a good point and, and really you're right the the biggest negative to the schedule is just the beginning and the tough stretches we're going to have to do. So I, I looked at it, and you mentioned it on your um, most recent article that it's, what is it, 16 out of 24 yeah. games mm -hmm. on the road. Um, but even with those road games, a lot of times we're coming back home and then immediately going back on the road. Yeah. Um, so looking at it early on, we play our first four-game road trip starting October 24th against the Rockets, and then we play the Pelicans, the Mavericks, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's going to be brutal. <laughs> which is tough already. Like yeah. Dallas is maybe the only team in there that's like, yeah, we should win that game. But I think they'll Dallas be better, this, be year better too. this year too. Yeah. And it's on the road. Uh -huh. um, but then we go from Minnesota back home on Friday to play Memphis, who Memphis early on. I think they're going to be better be too. Better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, they started out this past year 4 0, I think. Yeah, people are chalking off the Grizzlies and thinking they're not going to be a playoff team, but if, if Marcus Saul and Mike Conley are both healthy and if Jaron Jackson Jr. can have a good impact, like, yeah. 
Memphis could actually be a better team this year. But then they play Memphis at home, but then they immediately go back on the road for a back-to-back against Denver, who's another good team. So even though that's a home game, I feel like it's going to feel like a road game. Mm-hmm. And then they do that again in November. They have a five-game road trip. And then we come home to play Sacramento, which mm. we should win. There we go. <laughs> but then immediately they go back on the road and play the Lakers. So those those one-game home games are just really difficult for teams because yeah. you've been on the road so long. Coming home for one game just kind of feels like a road game again. It's like another stop on the way, yeah. really. Yeah. So I think that's something that the schedulers really got wrong. It would be nice if you had more two-game homestands mm-hmm. to buffer those road games. So yeah. that's one of those things that I saw that I thought, man, that's going to be really tough because – for pretty much the whole first month and a half of the year, the Jazz are going to be on the road minus like these two, three-day stretches. Mm-hmm. That's going to be hard for anybody. For sure. The, real quick, John, this is kind of a tangent. It doesn't really have to do with what we're what we're talking about per se. But looking at the Western Conference, if you had to pick the you know the seven teams, and we you don't have to pick all seven, but if you had to pick the teams <laughs> that are not going to be playoff teams in the West, that you're like, oh, they're absolutely not going to be a playoff team. Who would you even choose? You know what I mean? Because so it's like I you look there's, at there's like the obvious bottom tier where you uh-huh. can just say Sacramento and mm-hmm. Phoenix, Phoenix aren't going to make it. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to make it. And then after there, it gets really hard. Mm-hmm. I think you probably go Dallas is in that tier. Probably yeah. Memphis might be in that tier, but I think Memphis is better than people are giving them credit for. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Clippers are in that tier where it's like they were close last year though. It's just so yeah, hard. I mean, yeah. they were close, but like they're kind of in that phase where I it wouldn't surprise me if. By the trade deadline, they just said, you know what, we're just going to rebuild. We're going to yeah. trade these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but after those, like, kind of maybe they're not quite in that tier, mm-hmm. everyone else I could see making the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's only eight spots, and there's, like, 11 teams that could legitimately mm-hmm. make it in there. Yeah. And there's some people, I think it, it was it Vegas? I think they had San Antonio, and they had Portland not making it. Mm-hmm. I Portland was a three seed last year, and they're basically bringing everybody back. Yeah. San Antonio won 47 games last year, and all they did was replace Kawhi Leonard, who didn't, who didn't play, play. Yeah. with an all-star, DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Like, you're telling me they're not going to be a 51 team? Like, I guess Tony Parker left, but he barely played either. Like, no. DeJounte Murray was the better point guard for that team. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I just... A lot of the teams that right now are being projected out, I see them getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Lakers are probably the biggest wild card. Like, yeah, they lost Julius Randle, who I really like Julius Randle, but mm-hmm. does LeBron is LeBron James enough to just make them the fifth seed? Mm-hmm. You know, in my argument with, and I, I think LeBron's going to be excited to play in LA, and so here let me frame my whole thought here you know he coasted a little bit during the regular season in Cleveland just because he had such a load to carry I think he was worn out kind of tired of of the situation there I don't think he'll coast as much in LA so I think we might see a little bit you know more engaged regular season LeBron Um, but my point here is that you know last year even with that that Cavaliers team they were the four seed and granted they were better than your typical four seed but you get where I'm going with this like if he was a four seed in the east and yeah. the, he, he's, it's going to be hard in the West for him. I don't care what people say. There's a very good chance the Lakers yeah. are not going to be in the top four. In fact, I don't think and they will you, be in the top four. Do you think his supporting cast is better? No, because I, I don't. don't think they are either. No, I mean, right away, and there's no Kevin Love. There's no other All Star on the team. Um, I mean, you got some young guys that. I mean, if maybe if they were five years yeah. older, they'd be good. But and no I, one is going to be. As I good. think Brandon Ingram could have a really good year. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he showed a lot of signs last year to be a, a better player than maybe we can credit for. Yeah. I don't think he's Kevin Durant, like a lot of people projected no. him to be. But I do. I think he could make an All Star team in three years. Maybe. Yeah. Like I think he has that potential. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Lonzo Ball, I think, is better than people think he is. I feel like because he's Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. people don't like him. But it really is just his dad. Like, you got to get past it. Lonzo Ball himself seems fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was an effective player last year, especially defensively, like really good defensive player. So mm-hmm. maybe he takes strides. Um, Kyle Kuzma, like we're really familiar with him here yep. in Utah. Mm-hmm. He could take additional steps and be a really good player. So like there are players there that I could see them being a good team, mm-hmm. but I just I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Yep. And when I look at the projections of them being tied with the Jazz as far as the Vegas odds go as a four and five seed, mm-hmm. I just don't think they're going to be that good. I'm I'm with you. Like, yeah. sur- it would be a bigger surprise to me if they were a top four team than mm-hmm. if they were. Like eight through five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, just kind of going back to what we initially started talking with um, the West. Just I know we're on a total tangent here, guys, but <laughs> thanks for thanks for running with us. Um, you know, I feel like you got teams like Denver that you know they could very well be a playoff team, or they could fall short again. Yeah. I mean, even Minnesota barely made it last year. I know that the Jimmy Butler injury didn't help them. But there's just all these teams on the cusp of the West. The West is just really scary. It's going to be hard to know who's going to make it and who's not. And one thing I'll say about Portland real quick is. You know, I know that they've kind of been criticized, and Damian Lillard, too, has been criticized because they have struggled some in the playoffs, especially. Um, But I think you really got to hand it to them because when LaMarcus Aldridge left that Blazers team, everybody thought the Blazers were just going to totally take a dive and not be good anymore. Mm -hmm. They haven't missed the playoffs. Damian Lillard, and I think Terry Stotts is so underrated, too. They have, I mean, in last year they were the three seed, which was completely overshadowed by the fact they were swept in the first round. But still, like you said, they were the three seed. They're bringing back pretty much the same team. And they're totally used to being counted out and people just assuming, oh, they're not going to make it this year. This will be the year they don't make it. And they found a way every time. Credit Stotts and Lillard, I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I do think they'll be in it again. And that's one of the most, that's the funnest thing about the Western Conference is, like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, after Golden State, from two to eleven, mm-hmm. it could just—you never know what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. here, here's kind of my thought: like looking at the playoffs, I'm going to look at the seeding from last year mm-hmm. for the Western Conference. Who would you say is a lock to make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. So Houston last yes. year was number one. They'll still be a lock. Lock. I think they won't be as good as last year. Which but, that's a totally different story. But I think they're a lock. They have the total talent to do it. Yep. Golden State, obviously, they're going to win the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Portland. I don't. I mean, I just said I think they'll make it, but I don't think you can call them a lock. Yeah. I don't think you can. OKC? No. Probably. Are you with me? It? I am so sick of everyone just like, everyone loves OKC. All they, like, they lost Carmelo Anthony. But I still they didn't think bring they're, I in. think they're closer to being a lock than Portland is. I'll say that, yeah. but I do, I don't think they're as good as people are saying they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like Oklahoma City's uh, ceiling is not as high as people think it is, yeah. but I also think their floor is is pretty okay. good still. I think they have a good floor, that, but people are overhyping their ceiling. Sense. I just yeah. I feel like people are over exaggerating the positive impact of just getting rid of Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, because all you, you got rid of Anthony, but you brought in a player who was almost equally as ineffective in Dennis Schroeder, mm-hmm. who I don't think can play with Russell Westbrook at, at all. all. Yeah. So anyway, I think they're. I would probably say they're a lock, but if people have them as like the two seed. Mm-hmm. That's I don't think too that's high. The case. I agree. Uh, Utah. They're, well, I just wrote an article yesterday. I said, mark my words, they're making the playoffs, so, so I can't back up now. They're a lock. They're in, baby. They're a lock. <laughs> um, the Pelicans. I don't think you can call them a lock because of uh, Anthony Davis's health. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if he is 100% he's healthy, healthy for 82 games, so they're probably a lock. Let's say with this, assuming everyone's healthy. Because okay. if, if Davis is healthy... I think the Pelicans are a lock. I really like the Pelicans. Yeah. I like the addition of Julius Randle. They a lot. ended they ended the year really well too. I mean, once they had Amiritich in there, yeah. and they were on fire to end the year. 
Like they they didn't really lose anybody, but they brought in Julius Randle mm-hmm. and Alfred Payton, who I think are. Yeah. Julius Randle is he an upgrade? I don't know, but they didn't have him last year, and they're just adding him to the existing roster, so that should be good. Yeah. I like Alfred Payton over Rondo. So. And they lost Cancer Boogie. Good. I don't care what anyone says. I think he's a cancer. So I think <laughs> they, did, they did good there. And I mean, over the second half of the year, they didn't even have him. Exactly. They played better without yeah. him. Mm-hmm. San Antonio. Not a lock, but. I mean, maybe they should be, like you said, with DeMar DeRozan. It, yeah. It's close. It's very close. And this is San Antonio. This is Greg Popovich. Yeah. Like, are they not? Are they really not going to make the playoffs? I just, I think they are. Yeah. I would say, in my mind, San Antonio is a lock. Okay. But I can see the argument of them not being. Fair enough, yeah. Minnesota? Not a lock. No. They no. have the talent that they should be, but their mm-hmm. internal turmoil is Thibodeau's just... never a lock. <laughs> and they're, I, yeah, this, the, his rotations are more terrible. more like, overrated coach? I think he's horrible. And... I think people are realizing that over the last like year mm-hmm. or two. His rotations are just boggling. Yeah. yeah. Denver? Not a lock. Uh, I think they have a very good shot. Uh, but no, definitely not a lock. Clippers? I'd probably say Far from a out. lock, yeah. And then the Lakers? I mean, I'll say this. I'll be, sh- I'll be surprised they don't make the playoffs, but I also don't think they're a lock. Yeah. I mean, and after that, I think we're we're reaching the point where most of these teams yeah. left aren't going to make it unless, unless if Memphis, you think Memphis yeah. with help has a chance to really improve and be a playoff team, mm-hmm. I think they could. I can see it, but I just I wouldn't count. It and out. there's no way you call them a lock. That, yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. So let's see. We have one, two. Do we we said Portland was a lock? I did. Or there. So we won't count Portland. Fence. One, okay. two. OKC was a lock. Yeah. Utah was a lock. Yeah. Pelicans, if healthy, were saying a lock. Sure. So we have at least five locks. San Antonio, I, I we'll, would say. We'll call it five and a half, six. Five <laughs> and a half, six. But that's what, five teams fighting for two spots? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. It's going to be really hard. It is. Um, it's, it's nice to know that, like, looking at the schedule, though, like, I really feel like the Jazz are in a good spot. Yeah, I agree. And getting back to, obviously, what point two was about the was schedule. It was a time. Sorry, I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but it was a good one, though. I'll just real quick add, John, that the one of the other big negative I saw, and this relates to what we actually just talked about, too, is I noticed that we have two two of our games against the Thunder are second nights of back-to-backs. And I just hate when, like, I'd rather play second night of back-to-back against an Eastern Conference team, for example, or against yeah. uh, even a non-divisional foe. I wish that the division games would not be second nights of back-to-backs. I know the division doesn't mean as much anymore as it used to. But still, I mean, that's a team, for example, we played them in the playoffs. That could really be a team that we're close to fighting with for position. So I wish those games weren't second nights of back-to-backs and the fact that we have to play them twice in that situation kind of bothers me but that's really the only other negative i have i feel like the positives were a lot more yeah. than the negatives i mean there's not a lot of negatives i think really the main negative is just it's really heavy on the road to start yeah 16 of the first 24 on the road and a lot of times we're just coming back for one home game and then back on the road which is difficult for teams mm-hmm. um and really just it's not just the road games but we're playing a lot of tough competition early on so starting from the beginning through November, we face Golden State, Houston, Pelicans, Minnesota, Denver, Toronto, Boston, Boston twice, Philadelphia, Indiana, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Jeez. And then in December, we play the Spurs twice, the Rockets again, OKC twice, Houston again, and then the Warriors again. Fun. So through <laughs> the new year, we're just playing some of the best teams in the NBA, um, and all those games, like a lot of those games are going to be on the road. So yeah. it really wouldn't surprise me if heading into the new year, we're looking at the Jazz only being like two, three games over 500. Mm-hmm. But like we said, that's okay because of their soft second half schedule. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, cool. You know, I think we've touched well on the negatives as well as <laughs> the whole Western yeah. Conference. You know, that, that took us for a ride. Um, but let's move on now, wrapping up with uh, point number three. We'll talk about some of our favorite matchups and, and other impressions. Point three. All right, for our third and final point, we are going to chat a little bit about some of the highlights of the schedule, um, you know, just some, some you know, later reactions and also our thoughts on some of the national TV games. So I'll kick it over to you, John. I know you wrote a really cool piece about the five games you're looking forward to next season. I just want to hear your thoughts. What are you most amped up for? Um, obviously, this year we talked about it. The Jazz are having more national games that they've really had in years. I'm trying to remember the last time they had this many national games. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really might not be since the, kind of the Darren Williams era. So it's really fun to see the Jazz getting that exposure. I think right off the bat, you get it really strong with second game of the year, home game, national TV against the Golden State Warriors, defending national champions, national champions, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, really good team, obviously. And it's the reason I'm excited is I think this will be a good litmus test for where the Jazz are. Um, a lot of people are projecting them to be the number two team right now. And if they are going to be the number two team in the West, are they going to be able to literally legitimately compete with the Golden State Warriors? And last year they did, right? Mm -hmm. um, last year we played the Golden State Warriors four times and we won three of them. Uh, granted, only one of those games was everybody there and healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, we won one game where they had no Steph Curry, no Kevin Durant, no Draymond Green, no Clay Thompson, no Clay Thompson, and we won by 19 points. And then the next time we played them, it was like a month later. They didn't have Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. um, they had the other ones. I'm pretty they sure they had everyone else, mm -hmm. and we won by 30 points. And then at the very end of the year, they had everyone, but it's second to last game of the year. Right, no, the second to last game of the year was the one without Curry. That's the one. It was yeah, that was the 40-point one. Yeah, we, the 30-point one was a legitimate win. The 30 was mm -hmm. legitimate. Like, yeah. they had everybody, and they played minutes, too. Like, mm -hmm. they were not resting anybody. And then even the second to last game of the year, they didn't have Steph Curry, but all the other major guys played and played 30 minutes, like solid rotational minutes, mm -hmm. and we won by 40. Yeah. So I think we've proven over the years that win or lose, we can compete against the Warriors. And it'll be really interesting to see if the Jazz, if they have taken another step, can they really push the Golden State Warriors? Mm -hmm. Quick story real fast. Like, I, I know that I'm having some bad tangents, but you're going to like this one. <laughs> so during that Jazz game where they, they beat the Warriors by 30, it was just so incredible. Because that, if you recall, that was right that was right as the Jazz were starting to turn things around. We yeah. hadn't gone on a big win streak yet, but that was one of the games that ended up being part of the win streak. Yeah. And I think nobody expected us to win that game, obviously, yeah. with the Warriors being healthy. And I was actually at, um, at my former employer. I was at a big our big annual work meetings, and we have a big banquet every night. And our banquet was right in the middle of the Jazz Warriors game. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not missing the Jazz Warriors game. So I was watching out under the table, just not expecting much. And every time something good happened, I was over there freaking out. And my coworkers <laughs> caught a picture and were taking Snapchats of me freaking out watching the Jazz game under the table. So anyway, you know. Can't can't miss a because can't miss a good game. But Scott, I'm really excited about yeah, this I'm banquet. Just, this banquet's great. I love the announcements <laughs> the company's making. It's awesome. But anyway, um, uh, getting back to the point here, though, um, some of the matchups that I'm really looking forward to. Um, obviously, all the national TV games are going to be really fun. Um, but I think the ones especially, you know, we kind of have these unofficial rivalries with some East Con Eastern Conference teams. I think that's the you know the Celtics and the Sixers. Um, obviously the Sixers because of the Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, and the Celtics obviously because of Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, those matchups are going to be fun. And both of the Boston ones are nationally televised if you count NBA TV. Um, the one at Boston on the 17th is, is on NBA TV, whereas the one at home is... Um, I think ESPN on the ninth, right? Yeah, on ESPN, yep. And then um, the one against Philadelphia is on TNT, um, the one where we're... Um, 
Yeah, versus Philadelphia. So I'm looking forward to those. It's going to be a lot of fun to have that exposure and, and hopefully the Jazz kick some butt in all those. Yeah, that'll be really fun. And I know this is something I didn't think about and I think Jazz fans are going to be really interested in mm-hmm. is Gordon Hayward starting the year coming off from this major injury. Is he going to play every single game? And is he going to be resting on second nights of back-to-backs? Mm-hmm. Um, and that first game at home where... I'm not a fan of booing players. Mm-hmm. I never have been. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think... I would say do it once and then move on. Yeah. And Gordon not Hayward is a guy that we should boo Gordon Hayward. <laughs> we should. He deserves it. But we need to move on at some point. And I think we have such a good team. We have Donna Mitchell. Like We have good reason to move on from Gordon Hayward. We yeah. shouldn't be hurt over it. But if he does not play that game... Whew, there's gonna be a lot of angry jazz fans. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting to see if he ends up not playing that game. Yeah, I, so I saw a video on Twitter today of him dunking over a guy. I mean, I don't know who yeah. it was, but I mean, he looked good in that one short little video. Yeah. And I can't read too much into it, but like, I think that I'll be surprised if he doesn't play, especially yeah. with the NBA kind of like pushing towards they don't want people resting on these big nationally televised games. Uh, I'll be surprised if he doesn't play, but we'll yeah. see. And like, to be honest, I'm excited for the Boston game, not because of Gordon Hayward. I yeah. just think Boston's a really fun team. It's a good team. team. I really like the idea of watching second-year players, Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, go. I, was gonna say, I think the Tatum-Mitchell thing is more exciting yeah. than the Hayward thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to watch yeah. that game. Yeah. Um, and then Philadelphia, that's obviously going to be a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. I know, like, so we play Philadelphia on the 16th and Boston on the 17th, and a back-to-back mm-hmm. on the road. Oh, we should talk about that as a negative. I forgot that we have to play the Celtics on the second night of back-to-back. I don't like that at all. So we had that road trip. We play Philadelphia and then Boston in a back-to-back, and then two days later we play Indiana on the road. Mm. That's going to be a tough three-game stretch. Really tough. Those those three are some of the best teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the other ones I'm excited for, though, um, obviously Christmas Day is just going to be really fun. Yeah. so I told I told my wife like if she wants to know what to get me for Christmas like that's what you want to get Pretty me for easy. Christmas that's all I want yeah um, tickets are probably gonna be crazy expensive because it's Christmas but yeah, I, I really really want to go to that game and not just because it's Christmas and it's historic I mean the Jazz haven't played on Christmas in twenty years yeah but it's Damian Lillard I mean the Jazz against the Blazers have always been really fun because Damian Lillard I go to Weber State right now uh-huh. so it's just fun to see him play that'll be really good. Yeah, that matchup could be, you know, in the middle of January and it still be a fun game to go to, yeah. let alone being on such a huge stage and on such a huge day. So that's awesome. Um, I'm also, this is this is one that I always kind of like a little bit, but I'm actually looking forward to the Jazz Raptors games as well. Yeah. Um, the one um, in Toronto is actually on NBA TV, so not quite national TV, but New I think it's going to be interesting New Year's to... Day, right? What's that? I think it's on New Year's. Like, yeah, New Year's yeah. Day. Yep, you're right. Uh-huh. And, and I just... Toronto intrigues me because I know they're kind of like Portland. They always seem to choke in the playoffs after having these great regular seasons. But I just feel like they have so many good pieces and so much depth. And if Kawhi is Spurs Kawhi, they're going to be scary. And it's going to be fun to watch the Jazz go up against what could be another really good defensive team. Yeah, that's true. That's going to be really fun. I think we played them at home one of the second week or something like that in, Mm -hmm. in November maybe. Um, that's going to be really fun. I want to see how Kawhi does because I, I do think if Kawhi is healthy, the Raptors are going to be the number one team. Yeah. I, I think he's going to make such a big impact on that team, defensively especially. Like If they're not For a sure. top-five defense, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the strides that they've made over the last few years offensively to have a more modern offense, I do think their offense is going to be really good as well. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a really fun one to see. Um, lots of fun and exciting games. I know for me... 
I'm a big LeBron James fan. I always have been. Yes, I do think he's a bit of a drama queen. Um, <laughs> Glad but, you admit it. <laughs> but I love him. I think he's a great, great player. And he's one of those guys who you look at him and the hate that he's received off the court, he is a saint. I mean, he's just so good. I mean, he does so much for the community. He just opened this uh, multi-million dollar school for kids in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just does incredible things. But really, as far as just NBA basketball is concerned, he's one of the greatest players of all time. Whether you think he's number one or not, mm-hmm. I think there's there's no one really arguing that he's not top five. Mm-hmm. So he's entering that twilight of his career. He's going to play with the Lakers, which is just weird. It's going to be weird seeing him in the purple and gold. Yeah, I don't love it. Um, yeah. But that said, I am really, really excited to see him four times a year now mm-hmm. instead of just two and two times at home. I've seen a lot of the best players play in the NBA, I've never seen LeBron James live. So I, I can guarantee you this year, next year, whenever it is, like I will see LeBron James play a home game yeah. because I want to. It'll be a treat to see one of the greatest players of all time play yeah. live. That's awesome. I had the blessing of seeing LeBron James live in that in that famous game where Gordon Hayward hit the game winner. So that was that, nice. was, yeah, that was a cool one. But I agree. It's always. I mean, we we go for the Jazz, right? We love the Jazz. We want to see the Jazz. No matter they could be playing the local high school team, we want to go see the Jazz. But at the same time, what also makes it fun and memorable is who they're playing against yeah. and the cool other players you get to see. So that's for sure. Um, last thing I'll say, you know, I got I got to especially since you're here and you always give me a hard time about it. I'm not going to lie, I don't enjoy the Jazz Pacers games. So those are not it's actually not one of my favorite. Uh-huh. I don't enjoy them because <laughs> it's like deep down I want both teams to win. I want the Jazz to win more as I've always clarified. Yeah. But at the end of the day I don't enjoy them because it's like I wish I could just cheer wholeheartedly for both teams. So I just had to clear that out. <laughs> it's two games a year, one home, one away. Go to the home game this year, hope they win and then they can lose on the road. <laughs> well, I wanted to win both of them, but I just it just I don't like having to cheer against either team. But lucky they're on the same conference. I know, seriously, that's the good news. Well, cool. Well, anything else you want to add to that, John? No, I don't think so. I mean, the biggest thing that we've already touched on it is there are going to be a lot of fun, fun games to watch this year because the Western Conference is just so stacked. Yeah. I mean, night in and night out, we're going to be playing teams that are just going to be fun that we haven't thought about, really. We haven't Mm -hmm. mentioned it, but like every Denver game is going to be really exciting. Every OKC Thunder game is going to be exciting. I mean, there's just... Minnesota is going to be a really fun team to see like how they pan out because if they... If they click, if they get over the drama, Minnesota could be one of the top teams in the West. I don't see it happening, but it could yeah. if they really click and get their issues off the court resolved. So really just every day of this season, I feel like it's you're just going to be in for a treat, and it's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, totally with you there. And I mean, lots of times people, I hate when people say this, but a lot of times kind of the casual fans will say, oh, well, the regular season doesn't matter, or these games aren't important. I 100% beg to differ, especially this year. Every single game is going to be so important. And I use, I actually took a screenshot and put it up on my Twitter last year right before the playoffs. But there was a point, you know, in that final week or two before the playoffs started where there were like four or five teams that were, you know, tied. And there were some that were within like one and a half games of each other. It was so tight. And even the Jazz, they didn't exactly. They Mm -hmm. had a great second half of the season, but even. I think it was. It took them forever. It was like to the final week that yeah. they clinched. Because, not, and not just a seed, an actual yeah, playoff spot. It was like worst case scenario yeah. that could have fallen to ninth in yep. the tiebreaker. Exactly. So. so just every single game, I don't care if it's you know October or what. Every single game is so important, especially in the, the loaded West. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. So 
Awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, that's going to do it for today. Make sure you are following us both on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Jared Woodcox and John's is at John underscore Kiefer. Um, also, be sure to keep up to date with uh, the J Notes at the J Notes on Twitter and also at 3P Threat Podcast to keep up to date with the podcast. John, thanks for joining me live today. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was fun. We'll have to do it more often yeah. here in Utah. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, hopefully, you know, with the season getting closer, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to talk about down the road. So. Two months left, guys. We're almost home, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time.